0: children are going to be dismissed to Children's Church at this time. They started back at school this last week, and uh, I think they had such a great time, didn't y'all? Were y'all so excited to be back at at school? Y'all say bye kids, we love y'all. Oliver, love you buddy. (laughs) Hey listen, as we think about what we just sang, you know what's interesting, what the cross reveals there's something really interesting that the cross reveals, and the cross reveals this, that like we think about it like he, he stood in, in a place that we should have been standing, but the cross reveals that God was never going to make us stand in that place. God never puts us in that place, and so it's like we, we can look at it, and we can go, man, I deserve to be the one taking the brunt of this, and God goes, I would never make you do that. I would never put that on you. God's characters, I will always take that upon myself. I will always take it upon myself to to love you and to forgive you and to be merciful to you. So yes, I understand that we see it as like he took my place, but God goes, no, 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 I would never put you in that place. That's the greater truth there. That's the greater reality. That's the God that we serve. He's not a God who needs his arm twisted. He he doesn't need to be conjoled. He, 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 He does not get satisfied whenever I bring him sacrifices. You know what he delights in? That I am. He delighted in giving us life. He delights in you and I because that is who he is. He loves us with an everlasting love. And he knows that you and I, we carry about in our bodies so much shame and guilt and condemnation because we do wrong. You and I make bad decisions. We hurt people. Well, we we get mad and we get angry and we and we do things that we shouldn't have done in our anger. Sometimes just because we're we're, we're vainly desirous of some 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 you know our ego or, or some uh, some uh, some just some vain pleasure, we'll go and do things that are not good for us or for others, not healthy for us or for others. So you and I, we know we mess up a lot. We, we carry about all this guilt and shame. I think it's like what Paul says in Romans chapter number seven. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I can't, you know, I do want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And he's like, he who's going to rescue me from this? From this, I just can't get out of my own way. And it's like, thanks be to God for Jesus. Jesus comes and rescues us. And then the, in Romans 8 says there's no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus because Jesus says, I never would have put you in that place. I never would have put you where you had to pay the price. I will always pay the price for you here's the thing, you and I have a hard time really accepting that. We have a hard time really accepting that. So sometimes we show up on Sunday mornings and we go, I did my good thing. And then we're surprised whenever some bad thing happens and we're like, but I've been doing all the good things. And Jesus is like, that's not how this operates. (laughs) That's not how this operates. Anyways, I just thought about that as we were singing the song and, and it, it's going to come up in our message actually today. Uh, when we look in Isaiah 43, cause we will be doing that. But, but before we do, let's just bow our heads and our hearts and I'll just go to the God and, and maybe just, just, just say, God, thank you for never putting me in that place. Uh, Lord, I understand from my perspective I deserve to be there. But that's my perspective. That's not your perspective. Your perspective, what you reveal to us in coming in Christ Jesus, in going to the cross in Jesus. You, You are in Christ reconciling us to yourself. As Paul explicates this profound mystery. When you did that, you revealed that you, you, you would always take it upon yourself to rescue us. Not because of who we are or anything that we've done, but because of who you are. You're the God who rescues us. You, you can take all the hurtful things that we've done, all the damaging, destructive things that we've done, Uh, individually, and even we can see this collectively, Lord, but you can take these things, and you are the God who can take those things, and you can work new life through them. Where all we can see is the destruction of what we've done, (laughs) Lord, you can raise up, building us, making stronger relationships, Giving us more experience so that we make wiser decisions, Lord. You make things new. And Lord, right now we've experienced a lot of sorrow, a lot of loss as a as a body. Lord, Um, people in our church are suffering. They're receiving news each and every day that is that is scary and 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 sorrowful, Lord. And and Lord. The fact of the matter is, is when we live in this world, it can be hard for us to remember that you are the God who is not putting all this destruction in place. You are the God who is, you are the God who loves us in the midst of it, and you are the one who can make a way through it and bring newness, life, and resurrection through it. And so, Lord, we... Just as we are gathered here today, that, that uh, not only will we receive what we need from you, but like Lord, as Sam said in his text, we will be anxious to apply it to our lives, Lord. And Lord, I pray and I ask for me as I stand here and as I uh, proclaim the message that you have given me, I pray that I would follow you well, I would deliver it, uh, uh, I would be a good ambassador in delivering the word. I would only deliver that which you have me to deliver and nothing more. Uh, God, I pray and I ask that you would just, uh, you would be exalted in this message, but as a result of this message, we will go out and you will be exalted in our lives, Lord. By how we have compassion, by how we welcome in the wanderers, how we call into the darkness and we... uh, And we plead with people to step into your brightness, Lord, I pray. I pray and I ask that you would hear these prayers, attend to these prayers in the mighty resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. On Friday, in my email, I sent out some questions. Uh, A series of questions. I The first question was, what is the effect of receiving the compassion of God when one had not experienced such compassion before? How does that affect somebody's life, right? What is the impact of going from a vagrant wanderer to becoming the citizenry of God? And finally, I said, what is the reaction from one who, while stumbling around in the darkness... Walks towards God's pleading voice and into his stunning brightness. Like, what's the effect of that? What's the impact of that? How does one respond to that? Those are the questions. All right? And we're going to get to some answers to those questions in a few moments. But first, we've got we to look at this beautiful text in which I derive these questions out of. And the text is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and we'll look at it here in just a few moments. Um, but, uh, you, you know, as I was thinking about all this, I, I thought I could just ask you all another question. I could just say, you know, what if you saved 15% on your car insurance? What would you be doing, right? Would you be keeping that to yourself? Would you just be holding on to that, that nugget of information? What if you stayed at a Holiday Inn Express? Right? Are y'all remembering these commercials? Right? They're just goofy and they're just silly. But like, would you keep that to yourself? Right? What if something good happened to you? Do you just hold it in? So that's kind of the that's 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 the the thought process, the frame of those questions. But. Um, uh, again before we go on to answer any of the questions that I've put forth we're going to look at first uh, Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 and here's what Peter's doing he's coming to the the he's He's concluding his introduction and in his introduction he has, he has given some imperatives about how the, uh, the, the, the chosen exiles are to be living but, um, but there's been a key theme throughout the introduction. And right here in verses 9 and 10 as he comes to the end of it, he, he has this like beautiful crescendo of this of this key theme. The key theme is their new identity. Their new identity because they've been given new birth in, through their faith in Christ. Their new identity because they were reborn by the word, right? Their new identity as chosen exiles. Like as these people who are who are socially in their context and spiritually in this world, they are just, they are living uh, as strangers in a new land, right? And so he, he wants to keep coming back to this theme of you have a new identity. You are newly identified. And he started out at the beginning saying you are newly identified as chosen exiles. We said chosen. It's not chosen, uh, instead of others, it's chosen for the sake of others, right? For the sake of this world. And then, and then exiles, meaning that they, they were socially exiled into, uh, uh, upper Asian, um, minor in the mid, uh, first century, uh, A.D. or C.E., however you want to say it, and then um, they were spiritually because they are they they, they aren't going to be uh, practicing their old pagan religions, or they're not going to be going away, going the way of the culture with with all the uh, idolatry, and they are going to uniquely worship. Uh, this uh, the, the, this God uh, of, of Israel who has been revealed in Jesus Christ. Who they are going to uh, exalt Jesus as Lord and as Messiah. Um, these people are going to step away from the, the flow of culture, and they're going to identify themselves uniquely. Spiritually, they are exiles. He starts out saying, you are chosen exiles, but... But in this passage, he comes back and and it's like this great crescendo of titles that we find that have these reverberations all the way back to the Babylonian exile and even further back before that to the great Exodus story. He uses all these titles that say you're not really chosen exiles. You're actually a newly minted, a newly Created citizenry. You are a new populace. You you actually are a new community. He uses he he, he uses several different um, terms, which one would say, hey, you're a new race or class of people. Uh, another term which would say, hey, you are a new ethnicity of people. Hey, th- th- there's another one. Hey, you are a new populace of people. You are a new you you are the new populace of this of this something and what is that something you are the 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 new people of the new populace of god so he uses these titles they have reverberations all the way back to the babylonian exile and even the the exodus and what he wants to say to them in that moment is hey actually you at one time were not a people But now you are a people. And whenever he says people, you, you at one time were strangers and exiles. But now you really are the populace. You are the citizenry of God. I want y'all to see this in the text. So Isaiah or um 1 um, Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. The but there is standing in contrast to what was just said in verse number eight. There are these people who didn't, diso- who didn't obey the word, they didn't accept Jesus. And so, um, and so it says uh, in verse number eight, he became a, uh, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even unto them which stumble at his word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But... But because you have trusted in Jesus. You, you, you know, we're going to see this here in a minute in Isaiah, but, but do you know that obeying God's word for us today, step number one, ultimate number one, is trusting that Jesus is his son. Receiving his son's uh, love and forgiveness, his son's surrendering to his son's authority and rule that's the like if you could think i want to obey god's word that's that's number 1 and everything else flows from it everything else flows from it because uh, think about this R- remember whenever god spoke uh, out of the out of the cloud at the Mount of Transfiguration, that weird scene that happened there and awesome scene that happened there that you're like, okay, that's really cool and kind of crazy and like, what happened? Well, what, what happened? But, but remember whenever God spoke, he said, this is my son. Listen to what he says, right? Pay attention to him. So they have become a chosen, but you are, you are now something else because you have trusted in Jesus, because you have received the love, the forgiveness, the mercy that comes through Christ, because you are surrendering your lives to his rule and his authority. But you are a chosen generation. This comes out of Isaiah chapter number 44, verse one, which is actually Isaiah 43 goes all the way through a, a few. The whole context goes through Isaiah 44. He says, you are a royal priesthood. Um, this comes out of Exodus 19. A holy nation. Again, Exodus. Exodus. A peculiar people, uh, I want to say something about this word peculiar, I like the alliteration and I like the idea of a peculiar people, a unique people, but, and, 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 and that, that word has this connotation of uniqueness, but it's not just general uniqueness, it is it is usually this, this language that is talking about something that is unique to somebody else. Like, a lot of modern translations will say, you are God's own possession, because it is saying now you are uh, you are a um, you are unique in the fact that you are possessed by God. And by possession, we shouldn't think in like horrible like slave-driving terms or anything like that. We should think about the character of God. But it's God saying, "Hey, you're my own. You are my own people." And again, this goes back to Exodus 19, but there's also reverberations of this out of Isaiah 43. And so here, the, these words, generation, there, that's, that's the Greek word where uh, it's called genos, and, uh, and that word would be for a race or a class of people, and in fact— in uh, the Roman Empire, as Christianity grew, they identified them as this, this, this separate class of people. They didn't know what to do with these people because they were not, uh, they were not going the way of the culture. They were not um, following along with the, all the idolatry. They, 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 were, they were weirdly being good citizens, but they also would not pay homage to Caesar like everybody else would pay homage to Caesar. See, they understood that the empire was actually not for their good, best interest. They actually understood that, you know, if we get the right Caesar in place, everything will be all right. They're like, we don't need the right Caesar. We have the king of kings and the Lord of lords who we surrender to. Um, the word uh, uh, priesthood, of course, we understand uh, priest. Uh, priesthood. Um, But what we should understand about this is, is these are people who are mediating on behalf of God to this world. So whenever we think about ourselves as, you know, uh, uh, in the Reformation, this, this, this uh, doctrine came out like the priesthood of all believers. And what we should understand is, is that gives us like some purpose to our identity. Hey, you're a new people. You, you, you aren't actually exiles. You actually have a citizenry, but your citizenry is not here. Your citizenry is th- the citizenry of heaven, the citizenry of God, the kingdom of God, right? You are the populace of God's kingdom. But um, uh, when we think about being priests, that gives us a little bit of this understanding about the purpose of our identity. Uh, as God's people. And and what that is, is not we get together and we thumb our nose at the world just so that we can say we're better than other people, but we mediate God's love, his goodness, his character to this world with the effect and and, and, and the, the, the hope that if we're doing this, people will come to know this God who is revealed in Jesus, whose spirit has been poured out over this world. That's the idea behind this. I behind this terminology of priesthood, but it goes back to Exodus nineteen, and then, um, and then a holy nation. Um, you know, again, he's talking about uh, uh, you know a, a group of people, and I want to make sure that I have nation down right here. Um, a nation, yes. the the he The word translated nation is the Greek word ethnos. You're a new ethnicity is basically what he's saying. right? You, you are collectively this. Now, let's just think about this in practical terms for a second. He is telling Jews and non-Jews who have trusted Christ that you are a new people. Your Roman citizenship doesn't have anything to do with it. Your Jewish lineage doesn't have anything to do with it. This is what drives me absolutely bonkers how, how people through the years could claim Christ... And yet, get into things like anti-Semitism. Don't understand it. Do not understand how you could have anti-Semitic, uh, um, uh, like whole movements of anti-Semitism raise up in the church. Blaming Jews for killing Jesus. And standing by it whenever God says, "Well, I'm trying to do is make a new people out of every last one of you. I'm not trying to have America and Russia and Ukraine. I'm trying to bring a whole group of people together. It blows my mind. It confounds me. That we've ever said, hey, those people are not actually people because of the color of their skin, and we can have the right to own them. It blows my mind whenever they're reading the text, and they claim to be reading the text, until, it just blows my mind until I can see it in myself. And what I know is that I look at people, and it doesn't have to be because of the color of their skin or because of their uh, their, their, uh <clears throat> Because of their um, you know political ideology or, 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 or because you know they're from another country, I can look at people and I can judge them unworthy of my time, of my energy, and my resources, based on a number of factors. I, I was actually in a situation recently where I was around people who just don't have my same values at all. One of them in particular, I know has been very abusive to women and to his children. And in that moment, being with that person, I was like, I don't want a thing to do with you. And we could justify that you and I could all justify that, but the spirit of God says that's interesting You tell your people every day that if they run into somebody who has different values than them Every sunday you get up there and you preach this How do you love people who are very different from you? You, you know what I should look at him uh, that, that disgust me that he does that but also here's what I should understand. He's broken He's not whole. Am I any better than the Pharisees pushing him at arm's length because he's broken? And I would never do that. Well, I hope I never do that. Pray to God that that's not in my character, in my nature. But you know why I might not ever do that? Because it was never done to me. Maybe it was done to him. Maybe worse than just physical abuse was done to him. See whenever we start looking at it and we can start getting beyond what what this person does and we can start going hey let let's trace this out guess what you know what god is telling me you know what i want him to be part of this new ethnos this new nation i want this broken individual to be healed And maybe you have a place in it. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But at least I want your heart to stop being so disgusted by this person. And I want your heart to be welcome and open to this person. I want this person to know that whenever they come around, you're not just going to glad hand them and, 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 and say the nice things because you're uncomfortable and you want them to get away. But you actually could sit down and you want to get to know them and you want to be able to shine some light in their life. So. In this text, we find that God wants all these people from all these different backgrounds, races, ethnicities, blood lineages, all nations. He wants to say, hey, if you trust Christ, all of y'all are a new people. All of y'all are being united. And guess what? That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to unite this world together. And I said, I don't know how we read that text and we still want to distinguish ourselves from each other, but I know I have it in my heart. I know I have it in my heart, so God, please help me. And then he says <clears throat> that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but have obtained mercy. We need to get this in our minds this way. He started out saying, you are chosen exiles. And we talked about all the good things about that, but he was telling them that they were exiles and uh, you know, they're socially and spiritually exiles in this world. But here he wants to say, you aren't really exiles. You have the best home, the best uh, nation, the best uh, populace, the best citizenry, the best kingdom that there ever is. You are now the people of God. Now, what this does is this gives them hope, I would think. Hey, you once were not, you you Roman citizen, so proud, arrogant, you were nothing. Paul, what did Paul say? Everything that I was as a Jew, I, I, I count as refuse. Hey, you proud Americans, being an American is nothing for being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You proud Texans. Now Y'all you, you were Texans before you're Americans, right? It means nothing. It means nothing because you actually have a greater citizenship. You have a greater thing. And what you, what you have to do is, is realize it was nothing. And that's what he wants them to understand is what you have is better than what you, what you thought you had. And what you thought you had was Nothing. If you get this, if it grabs you, if you can say, my life before Christ was a life that was lacking compassion, it was a life that was lacking place, belonging. Those are the two things that this text talks about. But in Christ, what I have received I've received compassion and I've received a place. I've received a people, I have received a country. If you can realize that, that would make you happy, don't you think? Make you overwhelmed a little bit. I wanted to ask those questions. What would be the effect of somebody who had not before received compassion, receiving the compassion of God? Not before had a a a, a people he was a vagrant wanderer or she was a vagrant wanderer, but now is part of the citizenry of God. Well, people who had been stumbling around in darkness, listening, hearing God's pleading voice. And walking towards that voice and coming into the stunning brightness that is there. And I ask that question because there's a line in here. It says, it's just, you are all these things that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. On the surface, I bet most of us would say that reads like an Imperative. You are these people, this is your identity, and here's your marching orders. And that is the way that it's said in other texts, but I just want to show y'all that's not what this text is saying. This text is saying, you are this, and if you realize this, guess what will be the effect or the impact or the response to this? Once you, res- once you understand that you were at one time not a people, but you are now a people, there is no way that you are going to keep your mouth shut. There's no way that your life is not going to be transformed. There's no way it, it, that you should, it's not, you should be doing this. It is, hey, listen, listen. This is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. It's going to be the net result of you being a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own people. When we realize that you're God's very own people. And he comes back and he says, when you realize that you have this now and before you didn't, you did not have this before. then the impact of that will be that you will show forth, you will proclaim. It says praises. And the word can actually be translated, it's actually more, most often translated as virtue. So it's the virtues of God, and then they made like a logical step, and they said, oh, the things that are praiseworthy of God, so the, the good things about God but when we here show forth his praises i bet most of y'all imagine what we were doing a few minutes ago dun, 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 ah, ah, ah. but that's not what P- peter has in mind here what peter has in mind here is this peter has in mind that if you realize that you are the chosen generation the royal priesthood the holy nation the god's very own people then you will proclaim the good character of God. Period. You will proclaim the good character of God, period. How you live will proclaim the good character of God. What you say and what you don't say will proclaim the good character of God. But in this text, I also want us to see that he has, in this text, given us three ways that we can proclaim the good character of God. Three specific ways. And it goes back to those questions. What if you had received compassion when you had never received compassion like that before? So one way that you can proclaim God's good character is by showing compassion on others. One way that I can proclaim God's good character is not by making sure that I look so different from that guy and make everybody know that I'm not identified with that guy who I know has been abusive. But one way that I can show God's good character is if I have compassion on him. And I sit down with him and I talk with him. And I get to know him. And through my life and through the lives of others, he is, he is healed of his brokenness. And he goes about and he seeks to heal others from the brokenness that he's caused. So how do we show forth, how do we proclaim the good character of God? We have the good character of God. And the good character of God is that he had compassion on us right? He was bruised for our sins. That's compassion. That's not God exacting a transaction. Well, they did sin here and well, that, that's, that's 35 cents. They sent A lot of us think God is transactional like this. And that what happened on the cross was this great transaction. But what happened on the cross was God saying, look, I never had the books. You made the books. I'm telling you, I never carried the books. You don't get that, so let me reveal to you that I will take it all upon me. At the end of the day, every wrong that has been done in human history, God will bear and has borne. Not because, well, I had to exact a transaction, but because it is who he is, and because of who he is, he looks on us with compassion, And he says, you know, I know you hurt people, but you know what? Hurt people hurt people. And there is this problem in this world. There's this force in this world, and it's called sin. And I'm trying to rescue every last one of you from it. So he had compassion on us. He wasn't exacting a transaction. He wasn't trying to reconcile the old account book. That's a broken, bum way of looking at this beautiful good news of the gospel. There was no no account that needed to be settled. He wanted to reveal that to us. I don't need, I I settle the accounts in and of myself. I bear your sin. It is revealed in Jesus, but that's what God does. That's who he is. It's his character. And you and I can reveal that character when we don't carry around an account book about all the wrongs that have been done to us. About all the ways that we've been hurt. We don't carry around an account book about all the ways that this person is is broken and and they don't deserve to be in this place. But when we put down the account book and we just have compassion on them and we just sit down with them and we go, okay, I want to know your story. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And yeah, you know what? You're, you might have to sacrifice some things because those people, you, you might not actually enjoy hanging out with them. But what does Jesus say? Hey, I really like that you got together with your friends the other night and you had a good time because you all love each other so well. Or would he say, hey, it was really cool whenever you sat down with somebody who has a totally hard personality to deal with and you loved them anyways. Second thing is we can welcome in the wandering vagrants and bring them into the citizenry. We have compassion on people. We welcome people. We welcome people who are not part of the citizenship yet. What is this world trying to do at every turn? They try to identify who's in their tribe and who's not in their tribe. And I don't care if you are sixth grade kids and you're wearing vans and you're the skaters and, 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 and you're wearing Nikes and you're wearing, you know, athletic clothes and you're the jocks. I don't care if you get back to those things. At our core, we are always trying to identify who belongs with me and who doesn't belong with me or where do I belong and where don't I belong. And God has always been trying to tell us, I want every last one of y'all to belong together. And so he welcomes us in, us who were strangers and wanderers, who were vagrants. He welcomes us in, and he makes us part of his citizenry, his populace. And the last thing is this, is that we plead with people in the dark. Now, I didn't say call out to people. I didn't say call down to people. I said plead with people. See, the, the, the Greek word there, it, 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 can mean, it, it can mean call out, but it could also, it's kaleo. It has a wide range of meanings, but, 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 but part of it is how you take the, 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 the connotation. How do you think God spoke to, speaks to us? What's the good character of God? The good character of God is revealed in the story of Elijah. He comes to us in that still small voice so often. Not, not, not angry and vile and mean-spirited. Not how dare you, you stupid idiot. Not condescending. If God's voice is condescending to you, you need to put that condescending voice to bed. And you need to raise up the voice of God that is kind and encouraging that loves you that would say oh you dear knucklehead <laughs> what are you doing come here let's sit down let's talk let's have a conversation about what's going on in your head and your heart isn't that what he did to it with elijah hey hey elijah why are you sitting underneath the juniper tree tell me about it son So, if you, if you understand, maybe we should say it this way. If you understand that outside of this citizenry, there is no other citizenry worthy, worthwhile. There's no other kingdom worthwhile. There's no other nation. There's no other empire. There's no other ethnicity. There's no other race. There's no other class. None of that. However you, we want to measure ourselves, none of it. None of it outside of being identified with God through Christ and the spirit, none of it matters. If you get to this point that outside of this, I did not experience these things inside of this, I do experience these things. Then here's what I would say. If you have that realization, there's no doubt in my mind that you will shout about it. Like if you saved 15% on your insurance. Or like if you stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. There's no doubt in my mind that you would not proclaim it. Proclaim the good character of God in so many ways. You would say it to people. You would live differently. And and, and if you want to put it in a package, and as we have here, you would proclaim specifically, hey, the God that I love is compassionate. And how you proclaim that is not by browbeating people. God's compassionate! But by showing compassion, being compassionate towards people. The way that you would proclaim that is by welcoming people who you would rather not welcome, truth be told. Uh, The way that you proclaim that is you plead into the darkness, you plead into the darkness. You call people you call people to you hey come 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 to my voice. this is the image that I have here. I was stumbling around in darkness and I started hearing God's voice and I didn't do anything else except for just start walking towards the voice. I just started walking towards the voice and that's all I've ever been doing is walking towards the voice. and as I get closer to the voice the, the, the light, it's bright, and, and because I've been in darkness, it's, it's a little hard sometimes. But that's all we are to be doing, is to plead with people in the darkness. Hey, just come to my voice. Come on. I'm going to take you somewhere. I'm going to get you out of this darkness, and, and it's going to be this stunning, magnificent, marvelous brightness. It's going to be the light of a new day. But for any of that to be true of you and me, it really has to be true that all of our chips are in. All of our, we have just sold out. Everything that we have is in on this idea that Jesus truly is ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father. And that his way, His kingdom way of living is the only way that matters. His character and living by his character is the only character by which we should live. And that's the question that I'm going to leave you with. Are you all in? Because this is what Peter is saying here. Listen, I said you were chosen exiles. Listen, scrap that. You know what? You're actually a new people, a whole new nation. Imagine yourselves a whole new nation. And if you are really bought in on this idea that what you had before was nothing, that here's what will happen. You will go forth and you will proclaim God's good character. He will begin to explicate what that looks like. But here he is, he crescendos up to this moment, reverberates back to Isaiah 43, Exodus 19, and he says, listen, you will go forth and proclaim if this is what you're all in on. And so my brothers and my sisters, the question is, Are you all in? Are you hedging your bets? And with that, I say, amen. Will you bow up with me? Lord, I love you. And I thank you for who you are. Uh, God.